Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. Maryland is on deck. Will Penn State's offense rebound? A lot to discuss today, including special guests, former offensive tackle. Brendan Brosnan will be joining us in just one second. We'll kind of get an inside perspective on what's going on with the Penn State offensive line. All that and a lot more in just one second. Hardcore Penn State football. I'm Corey Lestoki. With me, as always, the great Sean Kane and special guest, former Penn State offensive tackle, Brendan Brosnan. How are you doing today, Brendan? I'm doing great. Had a great day. Just got back from the gym. Feeling good. Yeah, I cannot say that I just got back from the gym. I actually just housed two Snickers before the show started. So uh, way to make me feel extra fat as we start the episode today. Uh, Sean, how are you doing? Yeah, after um, eating some Halloween candy from last night, definitely. I, I definitely need the gym. And for a lot of other reasons, not just the Halloween candy, I definitely need the gym. Um, but I was not there. I just got... Just got off my day job and just had some barbecue chicken. So that sounds good. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna be honest good. with I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I did not give out candy. Um, and now I just have a bag of candy that I'm just gonna eat for myself. So uh sucks to suck for all the kids on my street, but I'm just gonna keep the candy for myself. I had intentions of giving it out. It just didn't just didn't just didn't happen. Um so we had like five trick-or-treaters show up at my house. I was that's like, it. I had uh, the king sizes ready for him. I was feeling generous. Had some king mm. sizes, was ready for like 25, 30 trick-or-treaters. So I'm left with a bunch of candy. You know, I'm feeling up on that before the gym, feeling good. You know, Different gotta, pre-workout. Yeah, the pre-workout. King size. You know, I when I was growing up, one of our neighbors – he used to give out like cans of beans instead of anything like that just like different kidney beans, black beans, like any sort of bushes, canned beans. He was just handing those out to kids because he didn't want to give them candy, which 
I think it might be one of the worst yeah. things you could give. It's yeah, better than toothpaste. Guys. Yeah, it's better than toothpaste. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It could be the move. You know, canned beans. Like protein is in today. It's a protein. That's true. Culture. That's a good point. It's a protein yeah. culture. I start handing out protein shakes. I would be curious how many, um, like, if the trick, the number of trick or treaters are going down. I feel like they're they're decreasing over time. I just hey, we had some, but we didn't have an insane amount by any stretch of the imagination. So um, I think they do those trunk or treats now, and like. They're uh, fine, but I think a lot of times um, the more parents just prime. <clears throat> I, I, I <laughs> yeah, I think anymore. Uh, some parents just don't even do the trick or treat thing because they're worried about like razor blades and the apples or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I did you see the one that was <laughs> which like, is a myth, uh, but you know <laughs> the uh, the Michigan coach with the the cheating signals. What's his name? Stallions or whatever. Yeah. They said, be careful of candy this Halloween. I found a Coach Stallions in my Snickers bar or something like that. <laughs> That's um, Hey, uh, welcome to everyone on YouTube. Make sure that like the video and subscribe on the channel. Let us know what your favorite candy bar is and or what you hand out to trick-or-treaters. I'm curious now what you guys' thoughts are. Um, but we did not bring Brendan on the show to talk about candy. We brought you here to talk about football and specifically Penn State football. Um for those that do not know, Brendan was one of the first ever James Franklin commits at Penn State. You flipped over from Vandy to Penn State. Um, everyone talks about Trace McSorley, but you were also a part of that. Um, can you walk us through kind of how that all went down and how chaotic that was for you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I was recruited to Vanderbilt um, where I first committed um, and – yeah, it was actually a funny story. The first time I ever went to Vanderbilt, we did such little homework, my family and I, on like the staff, on the school. We were just kind of showing up. We were like visiting some other schools. We were on the road doing, you know, the recruiting visits. And uh, Coach Franklin walks up to my mom and my dad and myself. And uh, he says, hey, James, like, nice to meet you guys. And my mom goes, hey, like, what is your role here? And uh, and he like was just taken aback, like he like couldn't believe that she didn't know who he was. But like we laugh about it to this day, you know, like my mom not knowing who he was, and like he's the turning he was so just assistant, around. And just some assistant. She, yeah, like it was like I, we laugh. It's kind of like humbling in a way to to be like, oh, I don't know who you are. But like I got embarrassed because I was like, mom, like are you serious? Like I thought it was like a given <laughs> that she was gonna know who the head coach was. Um, but she had no idea. And from that point forward, like we needed a point to do some more homework, some more research before we walked into any other schools. But yeah, when that's awesome. When Coach Franklin went to uh, went to Penn State, I guess we were it was funny. I was senior year um, or, or excuse me, junior year. We were watching ESPN in one of my lounge breaks, like at our at my high school. Um and he's on ESPN talking about the switch to Penn State, talking about what it means, what he's looking to bring to Penn State. And like, I'm not kidding, like an hour, like I'm still like in the lounge and it happened the, the day prior, his switch. But he's on he's on ESPN, he gives me a call while I'm sitting there with my friends. And I'm like, oh my God, guys, look. And, and it says Coach Franklin on my phone. And I'm like, I gotta go take this. So I step outside, <laughs> I take the call. All my friends are like watching me. Um, through the window, the glass window in our cafeteria. And uh, he's like, hey, bros, like, we want you at Penn State. You know, we believe in you. We love, like, the relationship that we've built. What do you think about coming out to Penn State this weekend for an official visit? I was like, oh, damn, like, this weekend, um, you know, kind of was coming up quick. But I came out 
we did the official visit, which was just like top tier. You know, we walk in to the hotel and like just there's like welcome to Penn State. You know, you know how he does it. He does it big. Right. He makes you feel welcome. All the coaches are there. Um, I met the recruiting class. You know, we went out with Hackenberg that night and I just remember like going to a frat party with Hackenberg and like <laughs> seeing like 30 girls like try to like touch his shoulders and like I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, this guy is like a star here as a freshman or, or coming in. And uh, yeah, it was just like fo- like the football culture and like the professional nature that is Penn State football really caught my attention. And that's why I decided to switch. I believed in what Coach Franklin was bringing to to Penn State. And I just loved, you know, the the big time football um, at Penn State. That's awesome. So you came in at a pretty unique time, because if you think about the locker room, you have some guys that are recruited by Joe Paterno. You have guys that are recruited by Bill O'Brien. And then you have guys like yourself that were recruited by James Franklin. So how were those interactions between those three groups of people? Because I got to assume, like, you know, blending all those people together, all those people who had uh, different recruiting experiences, were recruited by completely different coaching staffs, you know, there could be some difficulties there. Yeah, there, yeah, there was definitely some friction um, between the different recruiting classes and, like, um, you know, Coach O'Brien like had a more lax style, which was like he's like, "Hey, if you're good, I'm gonna like respect what whatever you want to do." Coach Franklin came in and he had a, a stricter style. You know, he like came in with this concept of training on, training off. So like he was like telling guys when and when they couldn't go out, um, and like there was a lot of resistance to that be- because of Bill O'Brien before, um, but like. He loosened up as the years went on and started to listen to players a lot more. Like he started to get player feedback and realized that like, you know, he wanted it to be an open conversation, always had like leadership council meetings with the leaders on the team. Um, And I think what you saw like was like, it was really cool to see the team transition, you know, from two, seven and six years um, into, you know, a big 10 championship into a Rose bowl game and to see like the cultural shifts that, that happened, it was really just like player led buy-in. And when players started leading, like that's when you saw the shift start happening. When, when the coaches are push, 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 it's like, there's a lot of resistance, but when the leaders on the team step up and say, Hey, we got to be here at this time, we're going to do this. And like, you know, this competitive nature started to really develop where we're just like every practice, we're just like competing. Like, you know, I got in my fair share of fights at practice. I got beat up gotten fights with, you know, a bunch of the D linemen and like, I'm not necessarily proud of it, but the coaches like always loved that kind of like mentality because it was like, Hey, you're showing up, you're on the scout team, you know, my first year or two there. And like, you're here to like make us better, make our starters better. And I just like loved playing and wanted to uh, like love playing the game. So um, the competitive nature really like ramped up in the first like two years that I was there. Yeah, that's awesome, first of all. And, Sean, that's a good point. Like, I kind of forgot about like, – there was some friction, especially early on. Like, if you remember some of the older players that were on some of James Franklin's first team, like, you could, you know, obviously feel some of that. You could see some of that on the field at times, too. Um, what was it – like, you kind of already hinted at a little bit, but, like, we often hear about James Franklin. We've 
had a few encounters with James Franklin ourselves and we were at Penn State with Nittanyville and whatnot. But like, how do you view, view James Franklin? Like, we, he's always seems so hyper focused on the little things and 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 really stressing stressing all the little things. And I mean, my favorite story is always about like how he is a binder, like basically on everything. But I'm curious, like your perspective, especially since you got to James Franklin, he it might be a different person than he was. You know, I guess that would be what seven, eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. First and foremost, like he's a great culture builder. Um, he understands culture really well. You know, he came in and every team meeting, we're rattling off the four core values every every meeting. So he did that. He like had a very specific way that he would lead the team meetings. Um, you know, I would say he's an intense guy. So like when you sit down and talk with him one on one, I think anybody can agree who knows him personally. Like it can be intimidating. You know, you're sitting there and he like feels like he's like looking through you at times. You know, he's like so focused. You know, he, he talks about having his psychology degree, um, which you could see like how his how his brain works. But he you know, he brings that like energy to the program. Like I've never really seen him like tired. Like I always wonder, I'm like, man, like we're here at 6 a.m. Like, where is this energy coming from? Like he just he does have this like abundance of energy that is contagious for, you know, the other coaches, the players. Um, and like I think that's why he's been like very successful as a head coach because he's just you know bringing up the people around him to be to have a higher energy um and not like have this like lackadaisical focus anytime you're in the building so when 2016 is there and um you know you guys get beat beat up pretty bad at michigan and then you know you go you go on the long streak and everything and you talked about how the players really took charge. So how did things like in those few weeks between Michigan and Ohio State, how did things start to change? Or was it just more of you guys continued doing what you did and you believed in what you did and then you ended up getting you ended up getting better results? So what what was the change in that in those few weeks? Yeah, I think it like was just our some of the leaders on the team really started to step up. So like the first guy who I think of is Trace McSorley. Um, he was my roommate for two in 2016 and 2017, one of my one of my best friends. And like um, he like just brought this like humble nature like you like you meet him, you wouldn't think he's like the starting quarterback of this team. Um, and like I think his like competitive nature, like he just like constantly he's a kind of a quieter guy off the field. He's more reserved, humble. But like on the field, he brings like this tenacity, this fire, like. It's like when when Trace is leading the team, it's like, man, I can't screw up. You know, I, can't, I don't want to let that guy down. And like I, I really give him a lot of credit. Um, and obviously there's plenty of other leaders on the team. Um, but like he's the guy that really stands out to me as like a, a huge positive mover, um, you know, being the quarterback and like the most important position on the field. He was he really stepped up and like rallied. And not to mention, we just like Mike, you know, I think there's a ton of other guys that stepped up too. And, um, you know, and obviously the Ohio State game was like the culmination of that, you know, with the blocked field goal. And uh, yeah, it was led to one of the best nights of my life, um, which is a ton of fun. My parents went out with me. They saw Grant Haley and they're like, oh, my God, that's Grant Haley. Um, we went to like our, <laughs> our uh, football frat house and 
I think there was even like some police there partying with us. You know, they, they weren't even shutting us down at first. They just wanted to be like in on it. And like, it was a great time. Great. Awesome. Night. And that was kind of like the, the turning point, I think, um, in that season. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> we love talking about that and what 2016 was. At the same time, I want to get back to those good times as well. Penn State's still trying to get there. Um, big game in a couple weeks against Michigan, but trying to get back to that elite level, trying to get back to Indianapolis, trying to get back to winning Big Ten championships and potentially even to the playoff. Uh, I want to ask you two X and O questions, kind of. The first one, you know, typically when offensive linemen arrive in college, it takes them a year or two before they can actually play. There's been some, um, obviously, outliers to that, but but usually a lot of offensive linemen take one or two years of development before they see the field. Besides just getting needing to get bigger or you know maybe a different kind of shape, whether it's just a reduction of fat, whatever the case may be, what and why does it take so long as far as like a developmental standpoint before offensive linemen typically see the field? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just the physical nature of it. Like you're going up against guys who are like you come in, you're 18 years old. My, my freshman roommate, Chan Sorrell, was 17 when we got there. And you're immediately like I'm, I'm blocking like, like I remember one of the first hits in college is Mike Hall came up, filled the gap on me. And just like I just remember going <laughs> like yeah, this guy's like 23 <laughs> years old, like he's like power cleaning like a house you know squatting a house he's super fast super explosive so i think like the physical development is honestly the biggest piece of it um and like for the keys to success for that i think it's balancing like like knowing when to push your body obviously like in a college form like in a college training like there's not a, you don't have a ton of say of like hey i'm not gonna like push that hard you're get, you're getting pushed hard all the time but like it's balancing that while also staying healthy too because Guy, like it's kind of as you guys know and you know being around football like it is kind of a game of attrition where like you need to train hard consistently in order to go up 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 and any kind of injury or setback or tweak or like missing playing time you go back down and then when you go back down you have to go back up again so i think like you know prioritizing health you know training like intelligently doing flexibility work while also combining that with like strength training, explosive training, all that is the biggest component. And then obviously there is like the mental component too. Um, they always say like, I always think like offensive linemen are some of the smartest players on the field. And like, I thought, I think that was very true at Penn State too. Like we had a smart group and like, that was like secondary, um, you know, you, you spend enough time in film, enough time in like the classroom of football where like that wasn't really an issue for me or like most of my teammates. Um, so, yeah, that's that's awesome. The other X and O question that I want to ask you, and I know like Penn State fans get frustrated when they see this uh, fairly often. And and actually Franklin spoke about it a little bit on Tuesday press conference about defenses basically teeing it off on the offensive line when they're backed up on a third and long situation. But a lot of the times, you know, we've seen Penn State struggle against stunts where they end up only rushing four, maybe they're rushing five, and a stunt just opens up the floodgates and quarterbacks going down before they even have a chance. How difficult is it to plan for a stunt and then 
actually execute defending a stun? And I guess what's the communication that's involved pre-snap and post-snap? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just having communication. So I think a lot of like offensive linemen are very timid to like say that they know what's going to happen. So I, I coached offensive line at a local high school, um, varsity near me last year. And that was like a question when we were doing like stunt work. Um, they would always say like, well, I don't want the defensive. I don't want the guy to know that I know that he's going to stunt. I'm like, no, like it doesn't matter. We don't care. Tell him that you know what he's going to do, but you're going to beat his ass anyway. And like, I think having that like mentality of like, I don't care. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do. And I'm just going to beat your ass anyway is like the like 80% of it. Just call it out. You start recognizing different things. Like the biggest thing that I see is a D lineman will be lighter on their hand. So if they're going to be doing a twist, you'll see like typically they're loaded up on their, their down arm. But like when they're going to twist, they're a little lighter. And it's like when you're up close and personal, it's easy to spot it. But I think there's just like this timid nature where like, I think you just need to call it out, be decisive. If you're wrong, it's not the end of the world, right? Like you just play, it's a normal play. But if you're right, then you picked it up, you're able to, you know, pass it off, um, you know, all, all the other things like stay square. That's the other thing. Like you don't want to turn your hips. You'll hear that all the time on the offensive line. Guys who are turning their hips have, you can't maneuver back if there's a twist, if you turn your hips. So I think staying square is such an important piece. My old offensive line coach, Herb Hand, did a phenomenal job teaching us to stay square, to pass off blockers, and to like recognize the, the pre-snap indicators. That's awesome. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's that's a great point, too, about like when they're twisting. I'm, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that they'd be lighter on their hands. So I, I think that's a that's you could definitely tell you're a coach, <laughs> you know, Can um, I just follow up with one herb yeah. hand question about like how good of a cook was he like, did he cook food for y'all often? Like how often was he dishing out good food for y'all? Dude, he, he's phenomenal. I mean, like we went I did thanksgiving at his house a year or two he had us out for meals a couple other times but like phenomenal cook um you know he was on what i'm blanking on the name of the show but he was on that um hell's kitchen he was on he was on the cooking show some big cooking show i'm I'm forgetting the name right now but i didn't know that yeah yeah let me let me see uh but yeah yeah he was he was so good and as a coach like he was on chopped um he was on Chopped, so you could look that up, Herb Hand Chopped, um, and it's, like, pretty good TV. But, yeah, he was good. He was good, great technical coach. Like, I have a lot of respect for how he treated us and, like, was, like, super hard on you, but, like, would give you just enough. It was, like, 80 to 90% was kind of, like, riding you, was hard on you, but then that 10%, he'd throw you a carrot. And it was just enough to be, like, okay, like, you know, I'm not a uh, – I'm not a piece of crap. Like I, I did you know, a couple of things right today. Um, and I kind of like that as like coaching style. I think it's like 80, 20, 80% of the time you're like pushing hard, you know, correcting, yelling, like intense 20% you're giving compliments. Like, I think that is like a pretty good mix from, from a coach in my opinion. Right. Right. So, um, you know, there's been a lot made about the struggles in the run game this season. 
So how much do you think is on the offensive line itself, you know, not getting to the second level, um, not holding blocks as much, not holding blocks as long, or and how much do you think it's on the running backs just not getting not getting the holes quick enough? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of both. Um, I, I don't like to be completely honest, like I don't have a super strong opinion on this um, with the with the run game this year. Like, I think it's a culmination of, like you said, like we're not hitting the second level as much as we need to be. Um, but like we're also not like reading like a lot of it does come back to the running back. You know, like you see like there are openings um, that like, you know, bounce back. There's there's different like. Like with with Saquon, obviously we were spoiled, but like you see that guy just like turn nothing into something. Um, and I'm not saying like that's like the standard for running backs, but like you'd like to see some of that vision to see that like a hole is closing and to be able to bounce it or, or, or move it, um, move the ball a different direction. But yeah, I mean, I certainly think the offensive line um, could always be better. Um, and like, I think, you know, it's uh, it's beneficial to expect more out of them. I think it's like, you know, we got to expect more out of them. And uh, I think, like, in order for us to, you know, to beat Michigan, like, I think we're going to need to, like, be playing. All five guys are going to need to have, like, great games. Um, and, like, like, just playing physical to the whistle, like, kind of just, like, playing with that chip on your shoulder again, all the cliche offensive line stuff. But, like, really just, like, playing with that attitude and that pride and just, like, that, like, mentality that, like, doesn't matter if the ball is, like, 10 yards away from you, you're still like blocking your guy because like you enjoy moving a, a man against his will from point A to point B. Like that kind of like mentality I've always loved about offensive line play is like you get to literally just like body another person against their will and move them up to a place where they don't want to be. And I think like having that like kind of like that dog, um, like I would like to see a little bit more of that too. You are speaking our language. We are always asking for more dogs on the team. We're always, you know, looking for that guy whose motors is, is always running. So we're 100% on the same page there. Um, before we get to uh, the pick'em, and then obviously your thoughts on Saturday, we asked this a lot to the former Penn State players at Coach Hunter James Franklin. Um, do you have a specific core value that sticks with you today? That that um, is maybe your favorite of all the other four core values that that Penn State football uh, holds dear to themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the number one is like compete in everything you do. Um, I think life is just more fun when you're competing. Like now, I'm in the business world, um, and like in the e-commerce world, um, and like I just like the idea of like competing against other people, other businesses, um, trying to be better than them, and like. I grew up with four brothers. So like that was always ingrained in me. And like, I just think it's like, it pushes you to work harder again, another core value work ethic. And like, just having that kind of like that mentality that you want to compete and like have pride behind whatever you do. Like, it doesn't matter if you're like flipping burgers or, you know, you're the president of the country. It's just like having pride in what you do. And I think like that competitive attitude helps to foster that. Absolutely. That's how we feel, especially even with this podcast. Right, Sean? Always compete. Compete with the other <laughs> podcasts and compete with Corey. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I love it. All right. We're going to get into the pick them. We'll say Penn State for the end. We'll kind of let you give your thoughts on the team so far and also and also your prediction at the end here. Um, for the pick them, 
you need to just tell me outright winner for the following games. And then at the end, there's a bonus uh, question where you can pick the spread and we'll get to that in the end. If you get that right, you get two extra points. Um, but for all these other ones, you're just going to pick them outright. Um, and we will start with Ohio State at Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers already bowl eligible, has a chance to uh, upset the world there. Shiano facing his old club in Ohio State. Do you think uh, the Scarlet Knights can pull off the miracle? No, as, as we would call them, Butkers, uh, <laughs> no shot, Ohio State all the way. <laughs> Simple enough, Sean. I couldn't have said it any better. So, Somebody's got to send this to, uh, you know, they're going to be like, who's this old offensive lineman who looks like a stick now talking shit? <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll be okay. They'll get yeah, over I it. Yeah, I could have said it better myself. Ohio State wins this one. Yeah, I'm taking Ohio State too. I don't know if I feel great about, um, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Wisconsin at Indiana. Wisconsin's coming off that loss to Ohio State at home. Indiana obviously played Penn State pretty well. I actually really like their quarterback and Brendan Soresby. I thought he showed some things there. Um, what are your thoughts on this one, Brendan? I think Wisconsin's going to take it. I think if you were just to break down the pounds on the team, like Wisconsin always has a big team. They're always big. Like I think that's going to carry them. Um, they're going to rely on their big guys, and they're going to take it. Yeah, you know, somebody made a point. Uh, I forget who it was. Um, Indiana, like, when you're just getting beat bad every week like they've been before they played us, you're going to have a week that you just go out there and things just work. And even though they didn't get it, they didn't get the win at Penn State and there are no moral victories in college football, they played well. Um, however, it's hard to do that twice in a row, especially when you don't have the horses and I'm taking the Badgers. Don, I was with you all the way up until you pulled a 180. I'm going to take the Hoosiers because I love Tom Allen. I think Wisconsin is going to be coming off that big game letdown against Ohio State. They got to go to a very quiet, quiet place to play this game. And I think Bloomington's going to be rocking. Indiana finds a way to beat somebody they're not supposed to every year. This rocking. year, I think it's. This, well, they're going to be rocking after the game, not during okay. the game, but after the game. Um, I think Indiana gets it done. I'm going to take Indiana to win that game. It's going to be my probably upset of the uh, of the week. I, I just I think they got a good quarterback that is mobile can can cause some problems. Why not Wisconsin? You know, I think they'll get things figured out over there um, before too long. But I think Indiana. Why not? How often does uh, Indiana get a chance to beat Wisconsin? Nebraska, Nebraska at Michigan State. Michigan State is just a complete mess right now. Um, Nebraska maybe hasn't had as good of a season, but things have gotten a little bit better in the last couple of weeks. Uh, who do you have, Brendan? I have Nebraska as well. Yeah, Michigan State is reeling, um, not looking very good. So I don't see them taking it. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State's in the running for worst team in the conference I, I don't think they are but they're in the running and nebraska has improved since the start of the season so i'm going to take nebraska it's really hard to say michigan state isn't uh, they're turning the ball over a bunch right now so i'm gonna take nebraska we'll wait for the penn state maryland game for a second let's go to illinois at minnesota for those that care about Penn State's tiebreaker with Michigan and Ohio State, if they all ended up tied, it's a pretty big game. Penn State fans should be rooting for Illinois to beat Minnesota on the road. Minnesota has looked better the last couple of weeks. Uh, Brendan, who do you have? Um, I, I have Illinois. Um, you know, barely losing to Wisconsin, 
beating Maryland. Like, I think they're looking pretty good this year, actually, for an Illinois team. Um, so I'm taking Illinois. John? This is such a Big Ten West game in the yeah. I have no idea what to expect uh, because both of the teams, I mean, they're, they're you just don't know what you're getting week to week. Uh, I'm going to take Minnesota, but it's it could go either way. I'm 50-50. I, you could basically flip a coin, but I'm going to take Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota's 2-0 since their bye week. They have Purdue, then at Ohio State, then home against Wisconsin to finish things off. I'm going to take Illinois to win. No real reason for it. Um, I think they got lucky against Iowa, and I think Michigan State's awful. And remember, this Minnesota team lost to Northwestern. They got blown out to, a, I guess, an OK UNC team. They barely beat Nebraska. They barely beat – yeah, so I'm I, I'm going to go with Illinois. But I couldn't feel any worse about that pick. Um, Iowa at Northwestern. This spread started off at 29 and a half for the, or not the spread, the over under started at 29 and a half. I think it's back up to 30 and a half now. Um, Iowa is going to be firing Brian Ferentz, their offense coordinator at the end of the year. And um, Northwestern coming off that big win against Maryland last week. Brendan, who do you have? I mean, I'll, that was a high over under. I would have guessed like nine points <laughs> over under, and I would have probably taken the under. Um, yeah, I, I got to take Northwestern again. That's just I was just so boring to watch. Um, like I think they need a, that spark. Um, they need some fresh. What, what do you have? He had twenty five points minimum in his contract. Yeah, that uh, was pretty uh, innovative contract, but I think it was a long time coming. So I got Northwestern in this one. Huh. that that would be something and not shocking at all uh, if Northwestern could win. Um. God, I, I can't believe they gave him, they gave him the midseason firing without firing him till the end of the year. That's anyway. That's like, um, okay, I'm not going to work. I, I don't even know what to year. say Thank to you. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're he's just in candy bars all day. Yeah. He's, he's... <laughs> they said they did it. They did it for like a, the recruiting. Like they'd be able to transition recruits better. And I'm like, unless you're going to announce who the next person is, I don't know how that helps in recruiting. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It, and, and why not just, Fire him right now. Anyway, um, I'm going to take Iowa. Northwestern still isn't there, isn't any good. Um, but again, Big Ten West, Northwestern could easily win this game because really, I don't think there's a whole lot of separation from top to bottom. So, but I'll take Iowa. So, fun fact no team in the Big Ten West right now is averaging 25 points per game. So they all would have been fired based off of their uh, their the current <laughs> fair and standard. Yeah, correct. Kind of stinks. Like at the end of the day, like yeah, you know, like they're just they got to get somebody somebody out in front over there. I, I think um I think Iowa's gonna win. I think Cooper DeGene is the difference. He does something that's that kind of makes up for things. Northwestern, honestly, like I don't want to say they got lucky against Maryland, but after watching that game in preparation for for this week, like. They probably could have found a lot of different ways to lose that game. Maryland just happened to lose it more. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to take Iowa to win. I think that's a safer pick, but I wouldn't be surprised if Northwestern quarterbacks mobile. They just do do some crazy things over there. But 
I was going to play more disciplined on defense than what Maryland did. Maryland or Maryland was struggling on defense. Um, Purdue at Michigan. Purdue. I mean, we said this at the beginning of the year. We expected Purdue to really take a take a nosedive, and they have. Um, assume you're not taking the Boilermakers, Brendan. No, I am not. Yeah, I think Michigan Michigan's going to crush them. Michigan's looking good. Um, I think it's like pretty much a bye week for Michigan. They've had a lot of those this year. Yeah. Yeah. Sean? Boiler down. Uh, <laughs> Michigan's winning this one. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of bad stuff going on at Michigan right now, but um, I don't think they'll be. Well, they're, distra- they're definitely a distraction, but not so much that they risk that they'd be in da- any danger of losing at Purdue. So Michigan big. Yep. Yep. I'm with you guys there. All right. So now you can double down on one game. And all you have to do is pick the spread correctly for one of these three games. And you can pick either either side of it. So Wisconsin's at Indiana, and Wisconsin's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. So you can take either Wisconsin or Indiana to cover that, or you can take, take Purdue at Michigan. Michigan is a 32-and-a-half-point favorite. So you can take Purdue to cover the points, or you can take Michigan to cover. And then Ohio State at Rutgers. Ohio State is an 18-and-a-half-point favorite. So you can... Take Rutgers to cover the eighteen and a half at home, or Ohio State to to take you know to cover that eighteen and a half. So any option there: Indiana, Wisconsin, Purdue, Michigan, Ohio State, or Rutgers. Whatever you want. If you get it right, you get two extra points. I, I think Ohio State's going to cover the eighteen and a half. Um, I, I feel like they're going to win by twenty five. Um, and I think 18 and a half is a little conservative there. So I'm, I'm, I would have to go with Ohio State. That's the e-commerce betting right there. That You can't go wrong, right? <laughs> yep. He knows his money. That's what I picked, too. So. That's what you picked, too? I actually yeah. went on Michigan to cover 32 and a half. I think Purdue is that bad. Um, flirted with the Indiana one because I just picked Indiana to win. You think I would take that one? But I don't trust <laughs> them to double down on it twice. <laughs> you don't like it that much. No, 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 not that much. Enough to be cute with one point, but I'm not going to waste my double down on that too. Which watch, that's the only one that is actually correct. Um, okay. <laughs> Got through that. Make sure if you haven't yet, go ahead and do your pick I close it before the first game for those at home that play along. Um, first game, I think, is at noon on Saturday. So you have all the ones like whenever I finish my beer at like 1130 on Saturday to, to get yours in before I remember to close it. So uh Make sure to get those in. I think one or two people forgot last week and it fell down the leaderboards quite a bit. And uh, again, the winner will be taken home. Think a signed jersey from Christian Hackenberg. Something, some Penn State related jersey. You'll will be the winner for that. So uh, don't forget to do it. All right, Brendan, we will let you get out of here. But first, you need to give us your thoughts on the uh, Penn State season so far. What your thoughts are on the team? What your thoughts are for this game against Maryland? And then uh, we'll get to your score prediction in a second. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, with this game, I think this is obviously a big one for both teams. Maryland coming off three three losses. I think Penn State has the target on their back. Um, I think it's going to be a really close game, um, actually. Um, you know, I think you're going to get a, a fired-up Maryland team. You got Josh Gaddis over there calling the plays against James Franklin. So there's that rivalry, that competitiveness going back and forth. I know, I know Josh is a little extra fired up this week um, looking across, and he's probably got some late nights up there in the war room. Um, 
I am going to take Penn State to win um, 27 to 23 against Maryland. Close one. I, I, I have a close one. Let me write that down here. Yeah, I've been going. I was just texting Corey before the show. I've been going back and forth on my score all week. I finally came to one like an hour ago. So it's just a tough score to predict, in my opinion. Do you have a bold prediction that you'd like to throw out there? We like to say something that you'd be willing to throw a couple of bucks on that isn't too outlandish, but something that maybe uh, is, is a little bit out there. Do you have a bold prediction for us? National championship. Oh. National championship. Just We're coming that. for it. Oh, wow. It's only beating Maryland by four. I'm feeling good. I think Drew's going to find his rhythm. I think he's going to I think he's going to figure it out. He's going to find his rhythm. And once he gets that spark, that initial bit of confidence, I think the rest of the team is going to rise up to his level of play. And they're going to see like, hey, we can't let this guy down. The Trace McSorley effect is going to go into full steam. Penn State to the national championship. I wouldn't even call that a bold prediction. I call that the most likely prediction. I think you're the first person to predict Penn State to win a national championship on this podcast. I think so, too. Hey, I, I got a rep, you know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> November 1st. I'm getting it. And Braz is going with a That's fine with me. I meant for, like, the Maryland-Penn State game specifically, but, I mean, I, I will take that and to the bank as Qualifies, well. Qualifies, yep. I was too fired up. I could I couldn't keep that back. I I feel like we're gonna we're about to snap our fingers and like they're gonna figure it out. We're we're not far from having a great team. Okay, simple. You know, some would say that that spark happened on that touchdown pass to Indiana, which would mean hopefully we would take care of Maryland a little bit more than twenty seven twenty three. But we'll see what happens. Um, you know, the next time you get up into State College, definitely let us know. We can go um, have some beers. You know, I you probably obviously didn't watch this episode, but Sean, we were talking about a, a long time ago, and I'll let you get out of here with this. Um, for the Ohio State game, we were talking about if you had to go onto the field as a fan for one play and basically not ruin the play or, you know, cause the least amount of pain for your team, what position would it be? And Sean said running back on an obvious passing situation, like a quick slant, whatever, which is fine. I, that, that's fine with that. It's a cop-out answer, in my opinion, but I'm fine with it. But then he went on to say that if needed, he might be able to throw in a little bit of a chip block. He might be able to throw an elbow at somebody on the defensive end or something like that. Realistically, is there any chance that Sean's able to throw a chicken wing out there and, and block anybody? Sure, man. Like, if you don't care about getting a, a back concussion, you just go spear somebody's knee. Like, I think anything is possible. Uh, you just try to put your helmet through somebody's kneecap on on the on the defensive line. Like, I think I think you have a shot. But I don't know. They're they're pretty they're trained to look for that sort of thing. So you have your work cut out for you. All right. Well, I, but I, I played. I, played. I, believe I believe in you, Sean. I appreciate. it. I played a year of freshman football. I think I could handle it, dude. I oh. <laughs> I think I think you I think you you would make some some damage out there. I get to see him Thanks. trying to do that, and and specifically, he said he was going to do this against JT Tuomoloa, and I was like, uh, okay. I get to see him trying to do that, and JTT just shoving his face right into the dirt, like and just. If I could I, slow him down for just a quarter of a second, though, that could be the difference. 
Hey, I'm, I'm on the beach in Fort Lauderdale, so I think we need to get a, a, a drunk spring break yeah. thrill that you see those videos. I think uh, I think we need to, to line that up, get some D1 athletes. Yeah, slow Oklahoma drills down there. Sean, after 12 beers on the beach. like a chip. And, and Sean, your confidence <laughs> is going to be through the roof. You're, you're taking people out. I got money on Sean. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll um, organize a state media trip to Fort Lauderdale for this spring, I'm sure. Sure, we can find some money in the budget. Um, hey, Brendan, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. It was uh, it was a real pleasure, a, a lot of great insight, and I uh, really appreciate you taking some time with us tonight. Corey, Sean, thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Nice talking to you, Brendan. See ya. See you later. That was fun, Corey. Yeah, I've disappeared for some reason, but. He exists now only in our memories. Oh, there I am. Nope, he's back. Let me see if I can do something here to. There we go. Oh, yeah. D.A. Adam had a good point that I wanted to bring up, and I totally forgot, and I really wanted to bring it up. The Iowa Northwestern game is at Wrigley Field. Oh, I did not know that. So wanted huh. to. Well, that's pretty wanted, cool, honestly. Yeah, which I think actually helps Iowa a little bit. Not playing in Evanston in the quiet, it might be actually pretty popular to. I would love to go watch a football game in Wrigley Field. I know they didn't. They used to do that for. Wasn't there used to be a bowl game that they did that for too? I I don't remember. Probably it feels like all these old baseball. They definitely did in Yankee Stadium. I thought they might have did one in Wrigley Field too, but yeah, pinstripe sure. bowl. Uh, and then Fenway Fenway has has a bowl still, I believe. Okay. Um, but yeah, I appreciate that DA Adam because I wanted to make sure to bring that up and I forgot. So dude, that was an awesome interview. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was really cool. A lot of insight from both the past and the present. Yeah. And you know, yeah. Yeah. And he agreed with us on most things, which makes us look smart. So that's always nice too. I'm I'm pretty smart. You're pretty smart. Um, I just saw your text, and that's funny, by the way, because I, 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 I saw that that happened too, yeah. and that, that made my whole day. Uh, people have no idea what we're talking about, but just just laugh with us because you know it's funny. Um, no idea what we're talking about, but that's fine. Um, all right, I I did not catch anything, Sean, from the little mini post practice interview today. Did you catch anything? Yes, yes. Okay, As, then um, I'm gonna just listen, and you talk to our listeners. Yeah, let me pull it up. I want to. So James Franklin, he was he said uh, he's not going to apologize for winning. Um, it looked like he now I didn't see the questions. I've only I was only reading uh, tidbits on Twitter. Uh, he says a quote. There's teams that are ranked number one, number two and number three in the country. And when they struggle to get a win, no one kind of talks about that. But when we struggle to get a win, that's not as pretty. Everybody's overly concerned. Um, I, I disagree a little bit, and I think his comment would have had more credence if we beat teams with that were really good. Um, and we, and to be fair to him, we've only played one outstanding team so far, and we haven't played the other one yet on our schedule. Uh, but Ohio State, they beat Penn State. Who's a who's number eleven according to the college football playoff ranking, and they beat Notre Dame. So those are two top fifteen wins. 
So yeah, if they stro- like they struggle against Indiana to start the year, they um, they struggle against Youngstown State. Uh, but those two quality wins that more than offsets it. Michigan has played well pretty much since September, since they started playing teams that they have the scouting report on. Uh, Georgia, Georgia, you could kind of make that argument maybe a little bit, but you're gonna get more credit. Not in the last two weeks, though. No, you're right. Yeah, they beat. They took Kentucky to the woodshed, and Kentucky and a Florida good team, and Florida. So. They did struggle with uh, South got, Carolina. Got, they did struggle with Auburn, but yeah. So yeah, they're willing to forget some games that you didn't play that great in. If you, but have they have the track wins. record. Yeah, <laughs> they have the. They're the two-time win, defending <laughs> national champions. So I gotta disagree with with James Franklin on on this one. Uh, you have to now. You know, you could have a nine-point win against Indiana if you beat two teams that were ranked in the top twenty-five. Absolutely, right. but I right, would agree Sean. with them. But all right, here we go. Not the case. Um, the question was, do you get a sense this week that perhaps the team was galvanized? And here is his complete answer to this. Bear with me. <clears throat> Tip of the tongue and the teeth of the lips. <laughs> I guess I like where that. we're different is that I get it. The fans and the media that cover Penn State football, you're totally focused on us. And I get it. But there's just so many examples. I mean, there's teams that are ranked number one, number two, number three in the country, and they struggle to get a win. And no one talks about that. But when we struggle to get a win, it's not as pretty. Then everybody's overly concerned, in my opinion. It's a long season. You're not going to dominate every single week. you got to find ways to do it however you do it. And then you have to learn from the wins and you have to learn from the challenges and you have to learn from the setbacks and be very honest and transparent with yourself and your team. But I also think it's just as important to put it in perspective every Sunday. I put up on the PowerPoint slide. I never, Oh, hold on a second. Let me make sure I don't lose myself here uh, with your, be very transparent with yourself and your team. But I also think it's just important to put it in perspective every Sunday. I put up on the PowerPoint slide. I never come in and say to you guys, because I think if I say those things, it's going to be looked at as another slight to another program, which I don't really mean it as. But I think it was three programs this week ranked in the top 17 in the country that lost to unranked opponents. And then when we don't play as well, people think we should, but still win. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to apologize for winning. So I get it and I get the question. You know, I think. Throughout the season, you use the word galvanize. I think you need to become stronger throughout the entire season based on your experiences, the successes, the setbacks, the adversity that challenges all of it. It's experiences for these young guys and for our staff to continue to learn and grow and evolve and see who we are and use that to get better as fuel in lots of different ways. So I understand the question. But to me, it's a season that's going to look very different each week based on a lot of factors. Home, away, weather, environment, matchups. There can be a team where you say on paper you're supposed to be worse or supposed to be better, and the game doesn't play out that way because you got matchups that are in your favor or not in your favor. So there's just so many things that go into at some point. I'd like to figure out how dot, dot, dot. I'm going to stop myself. Well, he didn't. Well, he didn't say anything. He he kept it very brief, so it's good that he stopped himself. Um, I, I, okay. So there's a lot there. Um, 
Is there, or is there not a lot? Well, me, that, that's the thing. He said a lot of words, but the the people are tired of looking of the team coming out and looking like they're in a depression after losing a game. Bottom line, they're and tired. And also, of like, are you trying to say? And that, I don't think like, that's it, unreasonable. So, so what I'm trying to understand is, like, did we not match up well to Indiana then? Yeah, that's just not true. I'm sorry, and, and it's, it's I'm curious, true. like, where you know what I mean, like, where specifically? Yeah, we just we didn't. We didn't have the same fire coming out, especially on defense. Now, offense, like I said on the pod, ironically enough, we looked the same. So I can't really say that the offense was down. But at what I think the fans were expecting a little bit more, and they've been expecting a little bit more this whole season from the offense. Right. And the defense had a letdown. It's as simple as that. And that's why people are frustrated. We'll get one more here for you. The question was, do you get the sense that maybe – you know, maybe folks aren't putting things like the context or you were asked for after Saturday about the emotional, physical, mental toll that goes on the players that you very quickly said people don't care about that. Why is that? Why don't you think people care about that? Because there's a lot more that goes in the season, as you just said. And he says, <clears throat> I don't really want to get into this, but to try to answer your question the best I possibly can. But let's just be honest. We all know there's examples we're going through. An example of it right now, as much as at Penn State that we value education, the complete experience, the well-rounded student athletes, the well-rounded individual society from every direction is telling you that it's win and win at all costs. And that's all that matters. And to be honest with you, you guys see examples of it every day and you're a part of it. And I'm a part of it, too. It's mixed messages. And as a society, it's become more and more. And I mean, there's a ton of examples of it right now. So my point is all that other stuff that you're talking about, is it real? Yes. Does anybody want to hear it from me? No. And to me, I think there's just a ton of examples. And in some ways, it's sad that if you're winning, none of all, none of that other stuff matters. And the opposite is also true. So basically, James Franklin is saying that he can't tout about all the other great things that the football team is doing besides winning because nobody really cares about it. Even though at a place like Penn state, there is a, a desire to win and also do other things. But at the end of the day, if you're not winning, then those other things don't really matter. And I, I agree with that. I don't know why we're necessarily talking about this on Wednesday before Maryland, and I, I mean, to his credit, he said he didn't really want to get into it. But yeah, I, I agree at that point. Right. Like, it doesn't matter. Like at Penn State, maybe you can get away with this at Vanderbilt or at Northwestern. I know you can get away with that Northwestern because Fitzgerald did it for a long time. If you're a good dude and you do all the other things right, you don't necessarily have to win. But Penn State, and I'm going to try to answer this the best way I can. And I think it's going to probably make the older crowd happy. But Penn State was a place for a long time where they were able to do it all. And so it is one of the few places where you will not get credit for doing everything except winning. And you will also not get credit for just winning and doing none of the other things. There's very few places like that. It's not the only place, but there's very few places like that. And I 100% understand the frustration from Franklin's perspective on this because it is not easy because you have to balance and juggle maybe more than other coaches have to. 
And then you're not really going to get credit for those other things if you're not winning. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I just want to win. I, I want to win. Um, I, w- I want to win a national championship. I want to win a Big Ten championship. Um, there, and then this might rub people the wrong way, but there are no trophies for team having a high gpa they're just aren't i mean i want them to all be qualified i don't want them to be um like neanderthals or anything but the most important part of james franklin's job is to win football games period that's his most important that's most that's the most important part of his job if the team gpa takes a dip he's not going to get fired if he's winning games he's not going to get fired i could guarantee you that and a lot and maybe people wouldn't like it, but it's not going to happen. I I just want to win. He won't get fired. But remember that like one report came out from whoever about how like Penn mm-hmm. State isn't doing as well as far as graduating or I don't know what it was. I think it, ended and it was up getting a little repeated. misleading, but yeah. Yeah, I think it was like a little misleading. Um, but he got a question asked about it. Right. How many it, other do you think other you think Georgia would have a question asked about that? Probably not. Probably, probably not. Probably not. And and those are the pressures at Penn State. Uh, and I don't disagree with that because there are some people who would totally disagree with what I said. They would say that I don't appreciate the grand experiment and all this other stuff. Um, and, and look, that they're, they're welcome to that opinion. I'm, I'm not saying that. Um, but I'm just talking about how me, Sean Kane, feels. and. I want to win. That's the most important thing. Like I said, of course, I don't want guys skipping class. You know, they're supposed to be student athletes. But let, let's be real. I mean, the student athlete part of all of this, by the day, it's becoming less and less about a student, about the student athlete. It's becoming more athlete first. Like guys, um, when they hit the transfer portal, they're not deciding where they're going because this program has a better um, political science department. They're not going there because um, they they like this they, they, because I don't know. It's not the same thing as a regular person transferring. They're transferring to play football, and to me, like that's. I think that's the most important part of James Franklin's job. Again, that's just me. I don't think it's a 50-50 thing. And really, I don't think it's ever been a 50-50 thing. Because I'm here to tell you right now, if Joe Paterno wasn't winning games in the 70s and the 80s, do you think Joe Paterno would have just stuck around because, hey, the kids are going to class? No, I guarantee you he wouldn't. Now, you can make an argument in the early 2000s that was the case, but Joe was already an icon then. But when he was coming up, no. You have to win. That's the most important part of his job. To me. Right, to me. And I feel right, like I, I feel on. like we went on a big rant here. We did. But that's that's my thought on. It. Yeah, and we can talk about that a lot more in the off season. Great off season topic. Yes. Yeah. Um. Other notes: Chop Robinson did not practice, but I mean Vanover did for whatever that's worth. Um. The only other thing I saw was that James Franklin was hoping that the transfers would would hopefully 
settle in a little bit more as far as did Malik McLean and Dante Cephas. So, did you see if Caden Walls practice? I didn't see anything specific. I know, Give me a second. I know. Uh, I know. Uh, James Franklin said yesterday he's going to be available for Saturday. Um, but he's also said other guys who are going to be available, and they suit up and then they don't play. So I'm just not sure if if that'll be. And and even if he practiced today, I still don't know if that'll be the case for Caden Walls or not. But it would be nice I, to have him. I did not see specifically. Um, via the Twitter. Nobody said anything on Twitter regarding him. The Twitter machine. And maybe I spelled his name wrong. I don't see anything on him. I think I spelled his name right. Yeah. No, I did. Just don't see anything. All right. Well, we'll have to see. Um, Look, I would say he probably doesn't play much Saturday, if I had to guess. Gun to my head. Because yeah. James Franklin also said uh, Drew Shelton's going to play a lot. He's going to play, not a lot, he said he's going to play Saturday. So I would assume we probably don't see a lot of Caden Wallace on Saturday. He did mention, too, on the Tuesday press conference that Trey Wallace was not a season-ending injury, which I was worried that it was like a broken collarbone. So that That's actually is a good a good sign potentially. So now does that mean he might not come back to the postseason? I don't know, but it's not a season ending injury. So yeah, keep an eye. Just meant the bowl. <laughs> I would be very, and again, I'm not a doctor and I'm a, this is complete speculation, but if a guy, I can go from being in a sling to playing in a week, I think that'd be pretty impressive. So, but what do I know? Yeah. Maybe it's a precautionary. Counting. Maybe it's yeah. precautionary. <laughs> um, any other final thoughts in Indiana before we completely switch over to Maryland? I feel like we already have, but, um, Anything that you want to add to it? No, I think we talked a lot about it last week. I think last week was actually, if you haven't seen it yet, I think it was actually a really great episode. Monday's episode? Monday, yeah. It all blends together. Yeah, it's I think Monday's week. episode was uh, was actually really good, and I think we got a lot done with that. Um, and like I said, could be a launching point. Could just be further showing you who Penn State is in a not-so-great way. And we're just going to have to see what happens. The only other thing on Tuesday that I wanted to note was James Franklin was asked if uh, Daquan Hardy could play on offense just to give yeah. him some. And he's like, no, basically no. Um, Still, you know, to a certain point, like I understand, like basically he said it's hard enough for our guys to know some plays for their offense and some plays for the defense. He said it. And then if he goes out there, everyone knows what that he's going to probably be involved because you're not going to teach them the entire offense and, and you're not going to have them out there not to do something. So strange that sweeps with them. Brandon Polk style. Brandon Polk, baby. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's talk Maryland then. If you're cool with that. Maryland, 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 Maryland. Yeah. I miss um, those old tweets from James Franklin. He literally stopped because yeah. fans were getting mad at him. Like other yeah, opposing fans. Started. <laughs> yeah, that was so weird. And then the you would see on you would see on like uh especially with the out of conference teams. Yes. They get real insulted, like James Strickland called us out. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, fun facts here for Maryland. Is it is it Talia's I place. say Talia, <laughs> but is it Talia? I think it's Talia, but I I don't know. I think it's Talia. I too. only know one Tongue of Iloa family member really well. 
we need um Matt Millen to come in here and help us with the pronunciation. No, BT ain't doing it. He should just say to his brother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maryland, plus five in turnover margin. Actually pretty good there. Now, that plus five is a little misleading. A lot of those takeaways happened early in the year. They played like Townsend and other bad teams. Um, They haven't got as many turnovers lately, and they've turned the ball over more lately. So that number is a little bit skewed. Um, if you give me a second, I can actually tell you how skewed it is. Sean, why don't you talk for a second? Yeah. So as Corey pointed out, Talia has been there uh, for a long, long time. <laughs> like um, I'll point out, you know, when we started looking into them, they're better on defense than they usually are. Usually yeah. Maryland's is totally carried by their offense. Uh, their defense has been better this year uh jay sean barnum is a guy we're going to talk about i uh penn state fans who follow recruiting closely probably are familiar with him um he was uh i think he came down to maryland and penn state and on signing day i believe he picked terrapins so i remember being bummed about losing out on him um yeah so like i said their balance sticks out to me um I really like the way that they use Ronald Hemby or Roman. I keep calling him Ronald. Um, like the duck. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if there's well Ronald Jones. I was about to say, I don't know if there was ever a good football player named Ronald, but. Um, right. Was Ronald. Not Ronald Jones. That's not a player. Uh, Ronald, uh, the, the guy from SC. I just say his name. I don't remember. Um, the guy from USC? Yeah. Ronald? Long time. Yeah. A while ago. Reggie Bush. No, not him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, his name's Roman Hemby, and he's really freaking good. Um, um, they use him in a lot of ways, receiving, uh, running back. So. Um, and also, Maryland's backup running back's last name is McDonald. So you could almost have a Ronald McDonald. Roman McDonald. Maybe that's maybe Ronald that's Jones. I was co- right. Yeah, Ronald Jones. Yeah. Um, he was a, he was a good was college player. Yeah. 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 He did play in the NFL. He might have been on the team that won the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ronald Jones, the second. Oh. It didn't mean any offense, Ronald Sr. Um, um, can I get back to my one point? Um, yeah, Maryland, yes, they are plus five total. But in October, they were minus four in the turnover margin, which is not good. They uh, turn the ball over five times and they only got one. So last three games, they've they've kind of not been very good. So keep that in mind. Yeah, and even in the skid, they're still putting up points, which uh, last year their offense does tend to go into a shell, no pun intended, maybe a pun intended. But Ohio State, okay, they only put up 17, uh, but they did put up 24 on Illinois, and they put up um, 27 on Northwestern. Now, against those two defenses, and we all know Johnny Newton's really good on Northwest uh, on uh, Illinois, uh, still not what you want, but it's not like they've totally fell asleep. Uh, and, you know, watching that Ohio State game, and I watched that whole game, 
Maryland, if they made a few more plays, they could have won that game. Like they were, that was a close 37 to 17, uh, classic backdoor covered by Ohio State. Um, they were right in it and they were moving the ball well. They even had a run game going. Then they got away from the run, um, I think toward the middle of the second quarter. And Talia started turning the ball over as he as he tends to do against better teams. And I think and and that is that is his Achilles heel, Talia. I mean, he looks really, really good at times. But then when the competition gets better, ball tends to go to the other team. And that's always been his problem. Yeah, and, and I think know, that could be a problem for him this week. It's not even like it's not even like Sean Clifford, because like it didn't matter who Sean Clifford was playing. He would turn it over against anybody at any second. Like Talia definitely struggles with better competition. If you remember, like Iowa was that twenty twenty one, he had three yep. pick sixes, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, like, that was ugly. If defenses are opportunistic. They're gonna have a really good day. This Penn State defense very opportunistic. I uh, just wanted to mention, not as clear on that graphic. Maryland has scored thirty four points in the last six meetings with Penn State, not including twenty twenty. So. Um, not a lot of points have gone down. I think the one game they had 14 of those 34 as well. They had like six, six, and zeros. Yeah, and a lot of zeros. Yeah, and I they, they had that, three, three. They had two threes. Two threes. Okay. We we shut them out last year, right? I don't know. I had yeah, it up I, earlier. Yeah. Pretty yes, much. we did. We did. I'm pretty sure we. Uh, yeah. I don't think then, they've scored. I don't think they scored in B or. In Beaver Stadium, same thing, like, since 20-whatever. Not including yeah. 2020. Yeah, not including the COVID year. Oh, that's the worst game ever. <laughs> that's the first game that I was like, oh, wow. We just suck, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I had that realization, that Oppenheimer stare on my face, um, where I was like, oh, man, this is this is really this bad, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, in general, since the 2014 uh, famous – or 2015 or 2014 famous with the natives um they natives penn state that's what that's what i call penn state fans no i i knew what you meant but i thought you should just maybe clarify that i got it penn state fans in the general area central pa fans really made them mad that they didn't shake our hands that day and i don't i don't think that you still see people tweet about that that honestly it fires me up a little bit Oh, Corey's Corey's one. Well, Corey, you live in State College now, so you are a native. <laughs> I've been drinking the water, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Corey, Corey still gets amped by by it seeing that. It does kind of piss me off. I mean, honestly, when I see Stephon Diggs score a touchdown in the NFL, I'm like, he didn't shake my hand. <laughs> it it does cross my mind sometimes when I see him. I'm like, oh yeah, that's the one of the handshake guys. Um, Can you name like, like? Do you even know who the other guys were that did that? Like, did no. Just Stephon Diggs. I, I his, can't like his Nick brother Cross wasn't, wasn't there, there yet, was, right? Oh no, I don't. I don't. No, I don't think so. Um, and that was way before Nick Cross, I think. Yeah. Didn't they have a really good safety? I thought so, but it's so hard. Like I feel like Maryland always has a safety. They always have a defensive NFL. back who's really good. Yeah. They just did this past year, uh, Deontay Banks, um, and he was a first round pick over Joey Porter Jr. Um. Was that like 2014? 14, yeah. I believe it was Franklin's first year because Miles, uh, here's a name from the past, Miles Diffenbach was a... Sean Davis was on that team. Yeah, yeah. 
He played. Yeah, he got drafted to the Steelers, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I don't think he did very much with them. Yeah. So they still they still get fired up. I did not know. I knew Mike Loxley was the offensive coordinator there. I did not realize he was the offensive coordinator during that game. I did not know that either. I remember him being the interim coach after, I think it was Randy Etzel. That's correct. He got fired mid-year in 2015. And Maryland almost beat us. And uh, I think we played that game at, I think it was at College Park. Um, They almost beat us. Uh, It was actually low-key a really fun game. What year are you talking about? 2015 hack played that was at mnt bank stadium oh so that was oh that's right it was in baltimore so. yeah i was there it was actually really cold it was not a great day looked it looked it yeah. gina lewis had a nice touchdown grab best ball catcher in penn state history or what is it high ball catcher jump you know ball he's catcher. one of the best cfl receivers who's he with the stampede one no, of those teams no, no, i know no. he's that's... very very good though stampede is stevens yeah, I couldn't tell you what team he's with, but um felt like we could have got more out of him. But so could Oklahoma. Alas. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, he had, uh, he he's with the Edmonton it. Elks. We've had this conversation before because we went on the whole rant about like the, is elk plural or not? Is it elks or is it elk? I think it's elk. I think it's elk too. So I don't know how they're the Edmonton Elks. That kind of Canada. makes me angry. Canada, it's a different deal up there. Yeah. They spell center the French way. Anywho, um, offensively, really just wanted to point out Caden Prather. He's really good. Um, yeah. He's going to probably make a nice play on Saturday. It's going to make you a man. I wish you would have transferred to Penn State or committed to Penn State the first time. Um, yeah, he, I'm one of those people. Jayshon Jones is good, too. They've combined for 922 yards and 66 catches. Um, those are the two go-to guys. They are leagues above of everyone else they have. Um, but Prather, I think, is even better than Jones. He's just he, he's lanky. He's got he's got a good build to him. He just has like a build like he looks like a really good receiver. Like that's a, the expert analysis right there. But he's really good. He's a playmaker. Um, he's gonna probably be a problem. So, uh, Jay Sean Jones had like the really nice catch. I think in that first touchdown they had against uh, Ohio State in the end zone. So, I mean, they're both good. Don't get me wrong. They're going to be a problem. They, you know, Franklin mentioned Roman Hemby or Ronald Hemby, if you're Sean. But I actually thought McDonald ran really well, too. They're backup. So, keep them, you know, keep both of those guys in mind. And uh, 30 set. This will be Talia Tagovailoa's 38th start. I actually went back and counted them. He started 37 games. Yeah, he's been there. Long, long time. And he actually started at Alabama. So he transferred out. And I believe he followed Loxley up from uh, Alabama because Mike Loxley was the offensive coordinator down yeah. at Bama. Um, in be- so he was the interim coach. They had some other guy in between. I forget who. I forget that guy's name. And then. Was it the DJ guy who Durkin? got in trouble? DJ Durkin, the one who got in trouble. Yeah, that's it was Durkin. Yeah. Yeah. So DJ Durkin, who had issues um, and ended up being fired. And then Mike Loxley came in after him. So. So, yeah, uh, Roz already mentioned it, but. Josh Gaddis will be calling the plays on offense. You know who won't be on the sideline, I think, Kevin is someone DUI boy Kevin Sumlin. 
who got a DUI yeah. on Maryland's bye week two weeks ago. I honestly don't know if he got fired or not. I haven't actually looked to see if like he got. He's probably on a leave. Yeah. Like if I had to guess. He like ibuprofen or naproxen a leave. No, a lead. <laughs> no, I just oh, right. no. What am I saying? <laughs> yeah. I was right the first time. I'm, yeah. I'm. But it sounded like you said a leave and a leave. A leave. Yeah, I, he needed some for the uh, for the next day. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we shouldn't make jokes about that. Do not drink and drive. No, no. But especially if you're on a bye week for your college football team and you're in Florida. Yeah, yeah, definitely don't do it then. And, Maybe he was like recruiting, but that's what I would guess too. He was probably recruiting, and I mean, you can't can't be dumb like that. Don't be dumb. It's not worth it. Uh, anyway, their offensive line, um, I think is better. They actually haven't given up that many tackles for loss. I was kind of surprised. They're twenty first in the nation right now. TFL is allowed. Um, but again, you look at the stats in October. That's when things have gotten a little bit worse. Uh, the final thing you already mentioned, like the turnovers of Tagovailoa, he literally when he runs and scrambles in the pocket, like he the ball is just flailing around all the time. Like always, you think somebody would at one point tell him like, "Hey, can you like tuck that a little bit?" Like it is literally all over the place. Um, that to me, like Penn State forced a lot of interceptions and fumbles to begin with, but I don't know if there's a prop bet out there for turnovers, but I just find it hard to believe. Maryland stays under two and a half. You know what I mean? Like I would probably bet the over on the two and a half. Yeah, yeah. That if I was a Maryland fan, that would be one thing that I'd be very afraid of going into this game is that Penn State does have one of, if not the best defense in the country, and the one, uh, again, the one uh, downside to Talia Tagovailo in particular has been he doesn't take care of the ball. And if you can't take care of the ball against this Penn State team, they're going to make you pay. And, um, yeah, I mean, if especially if you want to pull an upset, because, you know, I, I'll be very clear. Penn State's a better team than Maryland. No question about it. Um, I do think, and I don't think this is very hot takey, I do think they have a better offense than Penn State. And, um, you know, pains me to say that especially as the resident um ma- uh fun maker of maryland but <laughs> i mean they just you have... come around on maryland uh, you know the thing is Corey, and we talked about this uh off the pod i understand why people hype them up every year i get it because it makes sense they have good players like you said uh prather and hemby uh talia when he's playing well he's really really good it makes sense why people think, okay, this is the year, this is the year they're going to be different. But it's some, it has to be something. It you got to put it on Mike Loxley at some point and say, there's something that happens when they lose a game. They just they they can't get up off their back. It's worse than Penn State. Like yeah. the, Penn State, all right, they have a bad week usually the next week, but then usually they're fine. They just don't get back up, and right. they're just down the rest of the season. So uh, it's got to be very frustrating to be a Maryland Terrapin fan. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Um, I think the cold weather hurts them too. The way they yeah. like to play offense, they don't have. That's true. They like to sling it around. They don't have a line of you know line of scrimmage. 
advantage against a lot of teams either. And so you can usually spread out some teams that you're even with. If it gets colder and you have to run the ball a little bit, I think they struggle a little bit more of that. I was looking at the weather, though. Saturday, 72, high of 72, 4% chance of rain, no clouds. Like, it's supposed to be a beautiful day. Man, we keep locking out with this warm weather. Yeah, I um, honestly hadn't decided. I might go down for the game. I haven't decided yet. Yeah, I got a uh, my cousin's birthday party was in the afternoon, so got to go to that then game. So hmm. cannot join you. In yeah, your I'm waiting to see the tickets. Park. The tickets are still like ninety bucks. I'm hoping they would drop a little bit. They'll probably drop. Yeah, but I mean, it is going to be a beautiful day, so I'm sure a lot of people will be. Going. Let's talk defense. Let's do it. Maryland right bad. now. Yeah, rush defense, 3.14 yards per uh, carry allowed, which Indiana was literally giving up another yard per carry. So that doesn't make you feel great about Penn State's running game. But watch this be the game that things kind of get going. Remember, Nick Singleton, like, weight room the entire Maryland defense last year. So uh, very possible that he gets going in this game. But I'm tired of saying that. Um, 7.3 yards per attempt. That's actually pretty um, standard to what Indiana's was as well. So, like, right around, I think Indiana was 7.4 coming in. So, pretty much the same in that department. Um, I wanted to mention a couple guys, Sean. I have Bo Braid up there. 59 tackles, five pass defenses, one pick. The other guy on in the secondary. Safety Tarheeb still. He was out last week. Supposed to be hopefully back this week. He is a playmaker for them. That could be a huge boost if they get him back. And then I mentioned Kellen Wyatt here, uh, linebacker. He has three and a half sacks. If Caden Wallace can't go, pay attention to uh, Donnell Brown going up against Drew Shelton. That could be a an interesting matchup. That would be a good test for Drew Shelton. So keep an eye on those matchups. Those are uh, those are some playmakers. Like you said, Maryland's defense got some cats. They do. They do. This is probably the biggest difference between Maryland teams of the past and Maryland teams this year. Like even last season, they had a similar slide at at the end of the season, and we saw that their defense was not this good. Um, like. Corey said uh, Nick Singleton and Keyshawn Allen ran through them like a hot, hot knife through butter. It was a rainy day. And if, if I remember correctly, Clifford didn't have his best stuff against Maryland. And we really rode, uh, we really rode the run game and they were able to carry us. And um, their, uh, their defense, again, a guy I like, Jay Sean Barham, um, and, um, yeah, I think they're going to be able to potentially get after us a little bit if we're not, if, if Caden Wallace isn't there. And I think Drew Shelton was better at left tackle last year than right this year, um, in, in my opinion. So it'll be a, it'll be a nice test for him and it'll be some good experience. Hopefully good experience. Could be a bad experience too. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I was thinking, like, do you even consider throwing Olu on the right side? He's probably never. I don't know if he's ever done that. I don't. I don't think so, especially with how important the the blind side is. Shout out Mike right. Lore. Um, you want to be able to keep Drew's Drew's blind side clean. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Corey's on top. 
Yeah, we went over this on Monday. Sorry, I just wanted to <laughs> show me on top one more time. Um. Oh, let me go back to this real quick. We we do have one fan question. One. Only one, huh? Well, that might have been my fault a little bit, to be honest with you. Um. The Wednesday show is difficult because I try to get the questions over to our graphic person. Um, the the morning of the show, and so it, a lot happens on Tuesday as far as like the podcast comes out. So I tweet about that. You know the the film rooms that night. So I tweet about that. The rankings were on Tuesday. So by the time all that was done, I was like, oh yeah, I'll take some fan questions. Um, I actually don't think I even posted. Do you want me to morning. read off some? No, it's okay. We're 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 good on time. I think. I don't know if we, I mean, I don't know if we got, I think, I, yeah, Lucas Powers asked about, we should play Pit. I don't want to go into that today. Oh, we don't want to do the Pit thing? No, I don't want to <laughs> do the Pit thing today. <laughs> yeah, that's like a once every three month conversation we have. Bring Alan Saunders back on here. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk to Alan. And <laughs> All right. The only <laughs> fan question today from Jerry was the Indiana game performance the result? Oh, shoot. This is the wrong one. Hold on. Hold on. Wrong question. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, let me see. Uh-oh. All right. I do not have it. I have, I have it, but I don't have the actual picture of it. So I'm just going to read the question. The question is from Maddie Ice, so I apologize for that. Maddie Ice says, "What's one coach on the staff you feel really good about going forward, and what's one coach where you're either disappointed in or still have questions?" And as far as what he'd like to see against Maryland, I'd like to see Penn State not punt on the opening drive. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sean, I'll let you go first. Right. So a lot is always made of Mike Yurcich, Manny Diaz. So I'm gonna pick a posi- I'm gonna pick position coaches. Uh, coach that I really like, Anthony Poindexter. Um, I just think that guy's a star. I think he's gonna be a head coach sooner rather than later. I think he's gonna be really good at it. Um, the way his safeties always seem to be one of, if not the most prepared position groups on the team. I mean, it's just awesome to see. And really from the first time they get action, they don't look, they never look like the stage is too big for them. Like even KJ Winston last season, he looked like he belonged on the field. And then he starts getting more time this season and he's even better. And he's, he becomes a starter and just, it feels like all of his players always get better. They always improve. And I think he's been one of the best additions to James Franklin's staff. Um, again, I'm going to pick a position coach. I know the popular one for disappointed is going to be Mike Yersich. I'm going to go a different direction. Uh, Jay Wan Sider. So you're probably thinking, why Jay, Jay Wan Sider? So Jay Wan Sider, terrific recruiter. Nobody's going to question that. I'm just, I want to see him develop a guy, a running back, that from his freshman year to his sophomore year to his junior year, you see steady improvement. Because that hasn't happened yet under him. Uh, at least with his recruits. Now, Jerry Brown, you could say, okay, yeah. Uh, but Jerry Brown wasn't recruited by J1 Sider. So I want to see um, 
I want to see development from these running backs because I just think Nick Singleton is such a terrific talent. And I think he could play into being a top two round pick as a running back. And that's very hard to do as a running back. And I just want to see it. And I would just hate to see uh, what he has be squandered. So uh, I'm going to go J1 Cider. Again, I don't think he's a bad coach. I'm not starting the fire cider uh, brigade, but I just, I want to see more from him as a player developer, as, as in player development. Yeah, I'll kind of go flip-flop with you. I'll, I'll go Phil Trotwine on offense. The way he's recruited on offensive line, I think is the best we've seen in a long time. I think he's developing well, too. Uh, I feel like Vega has gotten better. I feel like um, Drew Shelton has continued to get better at right tackle from, I guess, where he was at the beginning of the year. Um, I feel like he's given a lot of opportunities to the younger guys. Burke Myers played a different, a decent amount. Um, I, I'm excited about where the offensive line is going more than I ever have been. So Phil Trotwine for me on offense, not perfect, but really happy about that. I could have picked like obvious ones like Terry Smith or whatever. Um, disappointing. Um, I think I'll have to go with Marcus Hagens, and I know it's early. It's a good pick, but I mean, the recruiting hasn't been exceptionally amazing yet so far. Hasn't been bad, but it has been exceptional, and it's still early. So I'm not going to knock him for that, but. We went this direction because we thought maybe it would help out with the development of some guys. And it's not all his fault, but we've got a lot of young receivers that are now sophomores, a big class last year, and we haven't really seen any of them take that next step. And, again, he hasn't been here for that long. But you'd like to see some fruits of the labor there and and, and see some some benefit from it and – and see some of those guys develop. Like, Sean, if we sit here next year and, what, we had five in that class? And besides Omari Evans splashing for a little bit, we really haven't seen we really haven't seen much from him. And I think that would be, like, a huge, a huge miss, right? Like, you spend, like, approximately 10%, 15% of your scholarships on receivers. You can't really miss on all of them, so... We'd like to see them develop a little bit better there. Yeah, Higgins is a good pick um, because I don't think anybody's really been impressed with this receiver room this this season. And again, it just feels like nobody has really taken a step from not just last season, but from the first game. Like a lot of times when you have a group of unproven players, you're going to see some growth from game one onward and i haven't seen any growth from anybody right now so i mean you know cephas flashes his potential at times but he still struggles with consistency uh, i haven't seen any blatant miscommunications from him in the past uh, i didn't see any last week which is which is a good sign but still i mean you you wanted more from him uh, malik mcclain played the whole game last week didn't do anything so and also like 
um, to that point, we haven't like I have never seen these many, you know, uh, occurrences where the receiver and quarterback are on the same page. And I'm not saying that's all on Hagen's. I think that's fair to blame Aller and Yersich too. But why are the receivers seem to be off so much? And it's not like Keandre Lambert Smith. It's not really Trey Wallace, but it's the Dante Cephas's. It's I mean, what what's going on there that they can't be in the right spot? And is that just a, a teaching thing? Like what's what's going on there? I don't know. I don't know, but it's got to get better. So, um, Sean, you want to go with your bold prediction for Saturday? Sure. Sure. So, Maryland game, uh, it feels like we always play these guys late. Um, I think we played them early once. It was that blackout uh, in 2018, and we beat them 59 nothing or something crazy like that. So, it really doesn't matter when we play them. Uh, outside of the COVID year, Penn State has been pretty dominant in this rivalry. Rivalry, if you want to call it that. Um, uh, My bull prediction, I think you see Drew Aller continue to come of age a little bit. I think you see him throw for over 200 yards again. And I think you see him throw for three touchdowns. Simple enough. Simple enough. Um... Gonna switch myself over to. Let me go with this one. There we go. Bold prediction for me. I'm going to say that Penn State has three takeaways, which I don't know if that's bold, but I think Penn State gets three takeaways. Uh, really feel like this game is one where Penn State's gonna need three takeaways to win. And I'll just leave it at that before I go to my score prediction. So Penn State, three takeaways. All right. Go with me. Do uh, so you think I'll, we'll need three takeaways to win this game? Uh, I'll just start my score prediction. How about that? Yeah, go ahead. Penn State, Maryland score prediction time. It's supposed to be a beautiful day, so that's that's good. Uh, look, I think Penn State's a better team. I don't know what to expect with the offense. I'd be very surprised if the defense has another game like they had against Indiana. Don't get used to the the defense giving up 24 points. I I think that's not going to be a common theme. So I think they do better than that. I I have Penn State winning this game 27 to 13, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a late pick six or it's a late scoop and score that maybe separates them all the way. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's 20 to 13 until closer to the end. So I got Penn State winning 27 to 13, and the defense coming out with a big takeaway to seal the deal. God, your prediction is very reminiscent of 2021 Penn State, Maryland, uh, because it ended up being a two-score game, but anybody who watched it, Knew it was a lot closer. I think Tate Brown had a pick six. Yep. I'm thinking maybe a Jalen Reed pick six. That's fine with me. Also, let us know on YouTube what your uh, score predictions are. Just fire them in there. So, as I was saying, it's been a 
this is a tough one to predict because I could see it going in several different directions. Um, and I do think Penn State, I think they win. So I'm taking Penn State to win. And I thought Penn State was going to win all week. It's, it's not really that, but it's more of what the score is going to be. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's inconceivable that we lose. I don't think that's an impossibility, but I do find it highly unlikely. Um, number one, people might say, oh, you got to watch out for the look ahead. One thing I'll give James Franklin, because I beat up on him a lot the past two weeks. I'll give him this. His teams usually don't look ahead. They sometimes look back. They sometimes, I don't know, get, they're, they're still upset from the previous week. And sometimes they they can't get going the next week, but they don't typically look ahead and they have a big one coming up in Michigan. I don't think they're going to look ahead. I think they're going to be pretty focused, especially after the loss, especially the defense with how bad they played. Uh, some of the guys on defense actually talked about that a little bit this week and their uh, press availability. So I think Penn State wins it. And I'm going to take Penn State to win it 27 to 17. So Corey and I are in the same neighborhood on this one. Yeah, we're close on that one. How about it? So, and by the way, the line, according to our buddy, uh, dropped to eight and a half. So if I was a gambling man, I'd take that. It was at 10 and a half. I wouldn't touch that if it was at 10 and a half, but I'll take eight and a half. I took 10 and a half because I'm a degenerate. <laughs> Well, I mean, I could see it, but I just, I don't think I could, I don't think I trust this enough at 10 and a half. Yeah. And I straight up picked this to win by 10, so I don't think we do it. Right. Um, what was your bold prediction for Indiana? Oh, I don't remember. See here. Um. Daquan Hardy touchdown. You're almost right. Was. I had three wide receiver touchdowns. Just one. Two tight ends. Yeah, I was going to say. I knew Theo scored. Theo scored two touchdowns? Dinkins. That's right. Dinkins scored the other one. We're in a one-and-all mentality here. We just take it. Maryland's the only game that exists in the world right now. Yeah, AB like said 30-ish, 30-ish touches for the running backs for Allen and Singleton. Well, that was his bold prediction. Not sure if that they happened. They got almost that. They had the ball a lot. Anyway, yeah. anything else that you'd like to say? No, no. I just hope we don't fear the turtle. Hashtag fear the turtle. And I will like be... turtles. <laughs> I will be tweeting out a version of that after the game. Either we fear the turtle or we don't fear the turtle. So that's what you could look for. You don't even have to watch the game. Just watch for that tweet. Do you remember in 2020 when they beat us and they put like the we are, we are, you were or something like that? Yeah, they went way too hard over COVID. But... Yeah. But it was COVID. It was a crazy time. Well, thank you guys for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to like the video and subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening on podcast, please make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. We very much appreciate it. We'll be back on Monday to recap Maryland and begin to look ahead to Michigan. So we will see you Monday at 7 o'clock Eastern. Until then, that is Sean Kane. I am Corey Lestoki. You have been listening to Hardcore Penn State Football. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody.